0: Welcome to Breaking Bread with Brother B, the podcast dedicated to helping folks know Jesus and His Word by breaking open the bread of life. Now here's your host, Brother B. Welcome back for our second episode of Breaking Bread with Brother B. So excited to have you join us today. Uh, We are going to be talking today about turning temptations into triumphs. And our text will be 1 Corinthians 10. 12 through 13, and while you were turning there, I wanted to let you know that we had 43 bread breakers last week, and hopefully this is just the beginning of great things that God is going to do and people that are going to be reached by this podcast, and um, I had a few of you let me know last week that you uh, were listening and benefited from the podcast. Uh, maybe you text messaged me, or you let me know in person, or you emailed me. And I appreciate you letting me know you were listening. I'm glad you benefited uh, from the Word of God. That is what this podcast is about. Um, The idea of breaking bread comes from uh, the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. He made himself known after his resurrection to a few of his disciples. And they did not recognize him, they said, until he broke open the Scriptures and had physical bread as well with them. And as they ate and discussed the Word of God... Um, they recognized who Jesus was and said, did our hearts not burn within us as he explained the scriptures to us? And I'm not Jesus and we're not able to eat together unless you're eating while listening to this podcast. But I do believe that as we break open the bread of life, the word of God, our hearts and our passions can burn for the things of God and to know more of Jesus and his word. And so that's what I want. And so I hope you will Let me know that you're listening and benefiting from uh, this podcast. I'm inviting you to join our new Bread Breakers text group. Uh, This will be able to text you uh, maybe a key verse throughout the week, just one text a week, key verse and some inspiration uh, to remind you what we talked about or what we'll be talking about or uh, for you to be able to text prayer needs or whatever. Um, You can text the keyword bread. So just simply text the word bread to 325. 440 tpos That's 325-440-8767. And let us know you're listening, how you're benefiting from the podcast. Now, again, we're going to be talking today about turning uh, temptation into triumph. And our key text for today, as I get my Bible out, is First Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13, and it simply says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it that you may be able to bear it. Now, last week, I talked to you about how to tear down strongholds. And I want to give another how-to lesson today, how to turn temptation into triumph. Um, But before we can get to the how-to, sometimes we have to talk about the who, what, where, when, and why. We have to get all the details of the topic. And the topic today, first, is temptation. And so, I want to take a minute and cover the who, what, where, when, why, and then the how- Of overcoming temptation. And so, first, we have to know who and what temptation is. Now, I have found through biblical study and just life experience that men and women try to overcome temptation in one of three ways. Uh, Maybe number one, uh, some just give in to it. They just simply don't even try to fight it, they just give in to temptation. Like the woman uh, who said, I can resist anything except temptation. And you know, they just give into temptation, and why shouldn't they? We've been raised in a culture and a society that tells us that, uh, you know, it's okay to give into animal-like passions because we've evolved from animals. And so just give in to those urges and temptations. It's natural. It's beautiful. Uh, it's wonderful. But that is not godly, and we are not evolved just simply from animals. We're created in the image of God. And so we know that's not a good way to deal with temptation. Uh, then there's a second group. Uh, they're the ones, they're the other extreme. They try to fight temptation, but they fight it in their own fleshly energies. I was reminded of the story of a little boy who was sitting under the apple tree on this beautiful farm. And the farmer came out and he said, son, what are you trying to do? Steal one of my apples? And the little boy said, no, sir, I'm trying not to steal one of your apples. And he was trying his hardest. He, he, uh, he, that little boy, he wanted one of those apples. He was trying his hardest not to steal it. And I feel like that's us sometimes. We try to fight temptation in our fleshly energy, but that does not have any strength or power in it. And you will eventually fail and give in to that temptation. But the best approach is to overcome temptation through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and learn to turn temptation into triumph through the power. Of Jesus that he has given us through his spirit, the Holy Spirit residing in us. Now, there are several points that I think will help us remember how we can turn temptation into triumph, and they all begin with the letter S. And so, the first point I want to bring out to us, um, <coughs> excuse me, first point I'll bring out to us uh, is 1 Corinthians 10 and 12. We already read it. Um, Let he 1 Corinthians 10, 12, let he, uh, no, I'm sorry. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And so the first thing I want to bring out is the subjects of temptation. Who is being tempted? Who is the subject of temptation? Well, all of us are the subject of temptation. You said, Brother Brian, all of us? Yes, yes, all of us, even preachers and pastors are subject to temptation. You say, well, I didn't know preachers could be tempted. Well, friend, even the Lord Jesus was tempted. And the Bible says that he was tempted in all points, like as we, um, yet without sin. And so I want you to understand, it is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted yet without sin. But this verse is a warning against pride against those who think they can't fall. If you think you can't fall, more than likely you are headed straight forward for fall into temptation. Now, I can already hear the question, and I've had it before in my mind, if God loved us, why doesn't he just kill the devil and destroy all temptation, remove it from our lives? If he did that though, uh, we would lose the opportunity to become overcomers through Christ Jesus. Now, I like to watch a lot of football. I uh, I love college football, and particularly you may know that I'm an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, Roll Tide, for all my fellow Alabama fans. Um, but when you play football, the object of the game is for one group of men, called the offense, to take that Pigskin, inflated sack of air, pigskin-covered uh, ball, and simply try to carry it down the field across a white line called the goal line into a box called the end zone, where they score what is called a touchdown. And to score that touchdown, they have to get through another group of men called the defense. And so the defense fight as hard as they can, kicking and pulling hair and tackling and all manner. Uh, of bodily action to try to stop the offense from being able to get that football across the goal line. And that's simply it. Ladies, if you've ever wondered what football's about, that's it. It's a bunch of guys trying to move a sack of air covered in pigskin across the goal line and score a touchdown, but a bunch of men are in their way. Um, it's basically a wrestling match. And I uh, it occurred to me one time, wouldn't it be when I was younger, wouldn't it be much easier for the offense if they could go out there when the defense is not present, let's say at 2 in the morning, and run that ball across the goal line and just score as many touchdowns as they want? Well, yeah, sure, they would score as many touchdowns as they want, as they want, but there'd be no point to that. It's, it's pointless because anybody can run a ball across the goal line when there's no defense present. And the same is true in the Christian life. God has not called us to a life of ease, but He's called us to a life of overcoming and conquering victory. He's called us, Paul said, to be more than a conqueror. And so, if He resists, if He removes the devil and temptation from our lives, what have we overcome? We've overcome nothing. But through His power, we overcome sin and temptation and we become more than conquerors. And so, the subjects of temptation. Is everyone we can all be tempted? The second thing I want you to know is the source of temptation. Verse 13 tells us again, First Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now, people try to say, Well, I have a very special kind of temptation. No, no, you don't have a special kind of temptation. All temptation, the Bible tells us here, is common to man. It's a common, there's a very common set of temptation. They all come from one of three sources. First, there's the world, then the flesh, then the devil. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says it this way It says, I pray you, uh, I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless till the coming of our Lord. And so Paul is giving us insight here. The temptation fights our spirit, soul, and body. So I want to talk for just a minute about the sources of temptation and the anatomy of temptation. First, we see the world is a source of temptation. Now, what do I mean when I say the world is a source of temptation? I, I certainly do not mean that people uh, are a source of temptation or that people are wrong. First John. Um, 2 and 13 does tell us love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. But that does not mean people because John in three sixteen tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish, have everlasting life. So we know that God loves the world uh, and by that he loves the people of the world. Um, so that's not what the word world means here when we say world is a source of temptation, nor does it mean that the planet, planet Earth, is a source of temptation. For who created this planet? But my heavenly Father. And when he created it, Genesis tells us that he said it was good. He flung the moon and the stars and the sun out into space. He created uh, the seas with the fish. He created the birds of the air, he created the animals, the living things, he formed man and woman. And every time he did something and he created it, he said it was good. So certainly, he does not mean, when we say that the world is a source of temptation, we do not mean that planet Earth is a source of temptation. Because God made it, it is good. What we mean is, the world is a source of temptation. We're talking about where the Greek calls the world, cosmos. 1 John 2 and 13, I said it already, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we translate that in the Greek, it's love not the cosmos, neither the things that are in the cosmos. Romans 12 and 2 says the same thing. Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to the cosmos. James 4 and 4 says friendship with the world or the cosmos is enmity with God. It makes us an enemy of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, cosmos, you may have heard the term cosmopolitan, meaning a person of the world. It means they're of the systems or the order of the world. They're entrenched in the systematic evil that is naturally present in the world apart from God. Uh, a good illustration of this, 1 Peter 3 and 3 talks about a woman, how she should not wear jewelry, how she should not be adorned with jewelry, and upbraiding a hair, and all the different adornments a woman should not follow. The word adorning there is again translated cosmos, uh, but it's related to where we get the term cosmetics, the system of how a woman of the world adorns herself. This is one of the reasons that we teach that women should not be taken with the fashions of this world, that they shouldn't be bound by makeup and certain fashions of the world, for it's a system of evil. It's a system that runs against the things of God. And so we, we're we not to be bound by the order of the world or the cosmos. Now, I hear all the men say, amen, Brother Brian, that's right. Women shouldn't be bound by the fashions of the world. Well, we could also say that we shouldn't be bound by sports politics, business life, money, stuff, anything that we allow to put over the, be put over the lordship of our life in place of the lordship of Jesus Christ, that it takes the primary spot. It is an enemy of our soul. For the Bible tells us, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world or the cosmos and lose his soul? What does it profit you to be formed and fashioned and follow after the pattern of this world if it costs you your very soul. And so when we talk about the world being a source of temptation, I call the world the external foe. The world is the external foe. Then the second source of temptation is the flesh. Now, you say, I know what the flesh is. The flesh is what covers my bones. Well, no. Yes, in a literal sense, we call the skin the flesh, but when we talk about flesh, we, we're talking about word Galatians 5 talks about how the, the flesh lusts against the spirit. And what is Paul talking about in Galatians there, except he is talking about our inherited nature that comes from Adam. Your grandfather, your grandmother, your mama, your daddy, your aunts, your uncles, whoever came before you had a sin nature. And we have a sin nature. It came from Adam and Eve when they fell to sin, when they fell to temptation in the garden. We inherited a sin nature. We might call it the old man, the old nature, but all of us have that. And so some people are guilty of saying, well, the devil made me sin. Well, no, the devil cannot make you sin, he can use your flesh to tempt you to sin, but your flesh, your sin nature, is what causes you to naturally sin. Uh, It's like the little boy that uh, his mom got onto him, scolded him pretty hard because she heard him call his sister a nasty name and saw him hit her with a broom. And then he followed that up by spitting on her. And she said, oh my, that was just evil. The devil made you do that. And he said, well, mama, the devil might've made me call her a name and hit her, but the spitting on her was all my idea. And I have to wonder how many of us would uh, ha- be would be willing to admit how much of sin and temptation is not really the devil, but it's our flesh, our natural idea. And so if the world is our external foe and enemy, the flesh is our internal foe working against us to be tempted to sin. But the third source of temptation is the devil. The devil is the in, is the infernal foe. He's the infernal foe. He wants you to sin. He desires for you to sin. And so the way I think about temptation is this. The world is a match. The flesh is a pile of gasoline. And the devil is the person who would strike the match and throw it in the gasoline and watch it explode. It takes the world and the flesh being used by the devil to tempt us to sin. That's the sources of temptation. But after the sources of temptation, we have the seats of temptation. And by seat, I mean the places that we are attacked and tempted to sin. Again, going back to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says, I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless till the coming of our Lord. Your spirit, soul, and body. These are the three parts that make up a man, a spirit, a soul, and a body. And so our soul is the first seed of temptation, and our soul is, is most often tempted by the things of the world, that first source of temptation. Now, what is a soul? Well, in the Greek, soul, the word is psuche. We uh, We transliterate that into English, and we pronounce it psyche, the mind, the emotions, the will of a man, That is his soul. And that is often tempted by the cosmos or the world. It often the world tempts and strokes our ego and causes us to want to be tempted to sin so that we can be important in the mind of the world. An example of this in the Bible would be Abraham and Lot. Abraham, he was a wonderful uncle to Lot. Abraham was a very wealthy man. He had shared his wealth with his nephew, Lot. Lot became greedy and they were fighting. They were having range wars, or not them, but their cowboys were over uh, where their cattle should graze. And Abraham, trying to be a gracious uncle, said, Lot, let us divide the land and you pick whatever you want. That's the way you'll go. And my people will go the other way. And Lot looked out, and he chose the best well-watered plains. They just happened to be the ones facing Sodom, and he set up his tents towards Sodom, and the reason he did this is because he wanted to be the greatest in the land. He wanted to have the prime spot. It built up his ego, and because his ego was stroked, he eventually fell into the system of the things of Sodom and Gomorrah and fell into even deeper sin. Okay, but... The second seat of temptation is the body. We already talked about the flesh and how the flesh is our sinful nature. And that sinful nature attacks our physical bodies. And what do I mean by that? I mean our appetites, our lusts, our sinful desires, our cravings for violence and sex and things, vile expressions and laziness and things of the flesh and The body. An example of this would be David and Bathsheba. David should have gone out to war. It was a time when kings should have gone out to battle, but David stayed home. And while he was at home, he looked out from his balcony and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and that she was beautiful, and he was filled with that natural physical emotion that God gives a man a desire for a woman, but it rushed into his physical body and it tempted him to sin. And he fell and gave him to sin and ended up murdering and lying and covering up and all sorts of horrible things because his flesh tempted and attacked his body and caused him to sin. And so the second seat of temptation is the body. And it's attacked most often through the flesh. And then the third seed of temptation is the spirit. The spirit. Now, what is the spirit? If the soul of a man is his consciousness of self, his mind, emotions, and will, the spirit of a man is that part of him that is conscious of God. And it connects with God. That's why Jesus said, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the spirit is what draws us to God. Plants have a body, but they have no soul or spirit. Animals have a body, have a soul, but they have no spirit. It is the spirit that makes a man different from the animals. And the way we are attacked and tempted to sin in our spirit is through our enemy, the devil. For what is the devil's chief purpose? But that he wants to separate us from God and attack and destroy our spiritual connection to God. An example of this would be Simon Peter. Jesus talking to Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would fail not. In other words, Simon, Satan wants to separate you and destroy your faith in God, and I have prayed that your faith would not fail you. And so the third and final seat of temptation is the spirit, and it's attacked by the source of temptation, the devil. But then the last thing I want to mention is the final point, and that is how can we subdue temptation? Subdue temptation. That is found in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Again, read it for you one more time. It says, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He has made a way to escape, a way to subdue temptation. And it comes through three ways, flight, faith, and fight. Now, flight, what do I mean by that? Flight. When we talk about flight, I think of the lust of the flesh, that we are tempted in the flesh. What does the Bible tell us about that? It says flee fornication, flee youthful lust, flee from those types of temptation. Throw them out, flee from them. Joseph, when he was in Potiphar's house and Mrs. Potiphar came to him and said, Oh, Joseph, I want to have relationship with you. Joseph wasn't didn't try to fight it. He didn't try to say, well, Mrs. Potiphar, I think we should get down and pray and pray for repentance. No, he ran away. He ran so hard. The Bible says he ran right out of his outer clothes and ran out in the street in basically his undergarments. He fled that temptation. He ran for from it. The Bible says, can a man... Take fire in his bosom and not be burned. There are some temptations we just have to run from. And if you're trying to overcome temptation to, to drink, throw out your alcohol. If you're trying to uh, stop smoking, throw out the extra carton of cigarettes. If you're trying to get over inappropriate uh, viewing and content, thing you should be watching and listening to, cut off those electronics. Cut off those devices. Get away from them. Flee those types of temptation. The second way we subdue temptation is through faith. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about fighting the source of temptation in the world. For the Bible says that this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus said, be not afraid of the world, for I have overcome the world. We cannot overcome the temptation of the world, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we can overcome the temptation the world brings us. Because the more I focus on Jesus and I feast on Jesus, the less I want of the cosmos and of the things and systems and orders of this world. Remember, the Bible said that the love of the Father is not in those who love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For any man that love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That is meaning That if you don't have the love of the Father, that is a symptom that you're becoming too worldly. Just as if my car was running out of oil, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't just take a hammer. And break that little engine light that comes on my dashboard and says my car's running out of oil and just ignore it and let my car burn up. No, I'd take it to an oil change place and I'd have the oil changed. And the same is true here. When I realize that my love for God is waning, that's a symptom that I'm becoming more worldly. And I should recognize that, hey, I need to build up my love for God. I need to build up my faith in God, my faith in Jesus, and get my eyes upon Jesus and get my satisfaction and identity. From him, and it will overcome the temptations of this world. And then, lastly, fight. Fight. And we know that is fighting the source of temptation known as the devil. The only thing you can do when the devil comes to tempt you is to stand and fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds. Paul said that we should stand. Uh, Having done all to stand, we should stand, therefore, having on. He lists the whole armor of God, and I don't have time to list all of it. But the idea there is that we fight. What do we fight with? We fight with the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's how we overcome him. The blood of Jesus overcame him at Calvary and we overcome him when we testify that that blood has been applied to our lives and we don't have to submit to temptation and we begin to quote scripture to him and we begin to pray in the spirit and we begin to build up our faith. We fight the devil, and we push back that temptation. And that's what the Bible is talking about when it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. That doesn't mean that we run from him, resisted by running from him. That means we resist him like a resistance. You ever heard the war term, the resistance? They're the people that are gonna fight the the powers that be. That's what we have to do. We have to fight the powers of this world. We have to be the resistance by fighting in the power of the Holy Spirit because we're submitted to God. He is on our side. Satan has to flee. He has to run from us. And we can overcome temptation through the power of the Lord Jesus. And so if we want to turn temptations into triumphs, we have to recognize that we are the subjects of temptation. All of us are subject to it. We have to recognize the sources of temptation are the world, the flesh, and the devil, that they're gonna try to attack us in our soul, our body, and our spirit, but that we can flee temptation, we can have faith in God, and we can fight the devil, and we will overcome, and through the power of Jesus, we will turn temptations into triumphs. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you were blessed by this lesson We would love to have you connect with our church, the Pentecostals of Smyrna, the Church of the Open Door. You can connect with us online at tpos.church or in person at 1301 Plaza Drive, Smyrna, Tennessee. That's 1301 Plaza Drive, Smyrna, Tennessee. And remember, the Lord is good and so are his people.